message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Well, good morning, Valley Bible Fellowship. How's everybody doing this morning? All of our campuses that are out there, hello, hello, hello. Glad you guys are tuning in with us. Northwest Campus, hello. Good job, East Campus, good job. Normally, you guys respond to that, but uh, we are firing on all cylinders here this morning. We have our Tatchby Campus. We have all of you tuning in online. Good morning. We are here. We made it. The weather's been rather difficult but we have made it. We are tanner. We are thinner. And uh, before I get started here this morning, I felt like God was speaking to me during uh, the worship, um, that third song that John was leading us through. And I want to share with you a story because I think it applies uh, to what we're going to be talking about here this morning. So um, I am a father of two kids, and uh, I've got a, 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 a girl who is the firstborn and everything that entails being a firstborn. Very organized, you know, they're the first ones that have to go through school, they have to go through parenting, they're a trial and error kid, right? And so they've, they've learned how to be disciplined and they've learned different things. And, and then I got my son, and that's my boy. I love my boy, I love my girl. But guys and boys, it's just, man, like your son is, that's something special. But he's wild. You know, you give him a flower, he rips it apart. You give him slime, it's now on your shirt. You give him anything and, and he turns it into something else. Um, he'll climb things, he'll jump off of things, he screams, he's, he's, he's a boy. So I have to be a lot harder on him sometimes. And, you know, being a good parent, we try to put our kids to bed at a fairly decent hour, and we do the best that we can. And not that I can remember, I don't think my daughter ever gave us really any issues, even as a baby, like our daughter was just an angel the entire time. But my boy, he always gets out of bed, and he like, he'll like run around the house, and like I'll see him, and he looks at me, and he gives me like this look of like, go back to bed. And I'm like, you go back to bed. And uh, so, and he'll do that a handful of times. Well, there was a time where um, I put him to bed early, uh, or so I thought, and I'm looking at him on the baby monitor. And yes, this guy is, is wild and he is crazy and he's a boy. And so he's doing his best, you know, to, to spend, um, to go to sleep. He's doing the best that he can uh, to listen to what dad has asked. And I'm just staring at him and I go, I'm just going to crawl into bed with this kid. Like, I just, I love him so much. And so I crawl into bed with him. And he goes, Dad, what are you doing? I go, son, I love you. I love you. And I just, I grabbed him and I held him. And then during worship, I felt like God was saying, 
that's what I say to them. Like, you're wild, and you're crazy. And, and in, in response to Jesus, we're like, whoa, what are you, do, what are you doing? No, 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 no. You can't love me this much, Lord. You can't. And he goes, I do. I love you. I'll break the rules for you. I will break the rules for you. We are supposed to be the ones that are making the sacrifices. And then God says, no, I'll break the rules for you. And so today, as we talk about our God and as, we are, as we're here, it's just he, his, his love for us. It's unconditional. If you came in here this morning and the walls are up, I don't know why they would be. I really don't. Because he would, he would see us so far off and say, I still love you. You can't make me stop loving you. So in light of that, let's look at the Bible this morning. And we're going to be in Exodus chapter 7. And, and you guys, I'm a lighthearted guy. That was mean, Lord. I, come on, I, over here. Oh. Let's pray. I love you guys. Let's pray and then we'll look into uh, Exodus chapter 7. Father, we just need you so badly. Show us your love here this morning. Speak through me. Guide me. Help us all to receive this in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus chapter 7. It's a crazy story, this whole Exodus book, but we're going to look at something very, very unique. Not just yet, Sandy, but we're going to look at this idea. If you're not familiar with the story of Exodus, we have a group of God's people. You know, God originally started out with Abraham, and then through, through Abraham's son, and then his sons, here we are. We have all of, we have all of the people of Israel in Egypt. This is not where they're supposed to be. They were given a promised land, a land that was supposed to make them successful and supposed to make them, you know, just the, 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 the uh, example to humanity of what it looks like to, to live with God as, as their leader, their guide, their father, their, their protector. Well, now they're in Egypt and they've been there for a few decades and now God uses this man, Moses, and his brother Aaron to go and speak to the Pharaoh to say, hey, listen, I know there's over a million of us here, but we have to leave. And Pharaoh's like, you guys are the ones that I have do all my stuff. Like you, you guys are the ones that get stuff done around here. If a million of you leave, then I have nobody to, to do the stuff that I need and want them to do. And so... Here's where we're at, where Moses is speaking to Pharaoh. And in Exodus chapter 7, verse 16, here's what he says. God's telling Moses, you shall say to him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. And that's more or less the verse I want to hang out on. Yeah, it, it continues, behold, uh, you have not listened until now. He says, let my people go. And we've heard this before. Wow, what a great statement. Yes, set us free. 
But if you notice, that's not where God said to stop. It says, if you could put it back up there, Sandy, it says, let my people go that they may serve me. Let my people into freedom, but not this, this, you know, do whatever you want kind of freedom. It's freedom to serve God. Because a lot of us, maybe that idea, that, that intention of like, yes, freedom, I get to do whatever I want. We're going to talk about that here today. Because freedom, God is saying very clearly right now. Freedom is not do whatever you want, whenever you want, at whatever time, in whatever season, to whoever you want. There's a method to being free. Because a lot of us, I know that we have our high schoolers watching. I know that we got our junior hires watching today. Um, This idea of being free, I should be able to do whatever I want. Sure. If you want complete chaos... Pastor Ron has talked about it in the past. Imagine, I don't know how many people are here, but how many people are even listening and and tuning in online. Imagine God answering every single prayer about the weather. If everybody had a different point of view of what they think the weather should be like, it'd be chaos. That's just the weather. Think about your job, think about your family, think about the schools, think about our government, think about, you know, companies, all these different prayers. If God was constantly answering these different types of of prayers, it would be chaos. And so today I want to look at this because God is saying, hey, yeah, I don't want you in slavery. And then it, but then it looks like I'm going to let you go to be a slave to me is what it looks like. But if we don't have a firm understanding of what it is that God is actually trying to communicate here, it could could look like what we're supposed to be doing and following God is becoming a slave again. And that's just not the case. It's funny because if um, if we are looking at this correctly, the Bible makes it so clear about the power of freedom. That there is freedom in following God. Now, I grew up Catholic, and you're supposed to memorize this, and you're supposed to pray this way, and you're supposed to look like this, or so I thought, you know, I don't know if anybody's a Catholic scholar or whatever, but that's how it, that's how it felt. And then you read the scriptures for yourself, and you learn about all these details that God is saying, and, 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 the, and the true freedom that comes from him. So if you are somebody here today, that you're like, you know, this God thing, I'm really on the fringe because I know if I, if I, if I pray the wrong way, then this thing's going to happen. Or I, I can't ever miss a Sunday because if I, if I miss a Sunday, then, then God's going to be really mad at me. And if I, if I don't dress like this, or if I, if I talk like that, or if I go to these places, if I this, and slowly but surely, we're back to being slaves again. And God is saying, no, 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 I'm calling you out But yes, we do need to stick together because there is power in freedom. Can you tell the person you came in with, just say, hey, there's power in freedom. Aren't those fun? That's like old school church. Northwest, I hope you guys did that. Tehachapi, I hope you guys did that. The first point that I want to make when it comes to what happens when we are free 
is that when we are free, there cannot be anarchy. Bars. But there can't be anarchy. And you're like, okay, Tom, Tom, what's the definition of anarchy? Anarchy is either the absence of any form of political authority or the absence of any cohesive principles such as a common standard or purpose. There can't be, in freedom, it can't be, you know, for lack of a better expression, the Wild West, where everybody just gets to do whatever they want, whenever they want. There has to be some sort of standard. There needs to be some sort of, of power. There needs to be some sort of something that we take and we, we put our affection or our attention to every single day. As you continue to read in the book of Exodus, you see that these people that have come and have seen God move in, in, in amazing ways, there's even a point where the water is split in half, they cross the water, and they get to this mountain, and they are in, so, in such desperation to worship, put their attention towards, that they create this, they take all the gold, and they create this statue, and they go, oh, finally something for us to look at. This is the God that did these things. This is the God that did the plagues. This is the one that has been leading us. This has been the one. And Moses comes down and he's furious. God is furious because they, they took their attention and put it towards a created thing. If you don't have kids yet, that's a question that your kids are gonna ask you. Who created God? That's a fun one. Because even as you go to describe it, it hurts your brain. And you're describing it to them and they're just like, dad's lost it. He has no idea. Bless his heart. And so what we see here is that there are a, there's, there's a, 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 God knew that there was going to be a higher authority in our lives. And it's so funny. I was talking to a few people today about, about me getting up here and, and, and speaking. And they're like, I like, how you, I like how you talk about your kids. And I don't intentionally talk about my kids. But it's just so easy. They give you so much material. And so... It's funny how, again, you and I are sons and daughters of the living God. We are. So we are his kids. And last night, my daughter did something that we do to God. She is six. My son is about to be three, which means he's two. And so we're talking to my daughter she wants certain things to happen a certain way because she's older. And so we said, Scarlet, you are four years older than your brother. And she goes, no, I'm six. And we said, Scarlett, no, you are four years older. And she said, and I'm six. And we're like, are you understanding what we're saying? We know that you are six and she was adamant. I think my wife and I just gave up. I think we were just like, fine, you win. This isn't even worth it. We spent five minutes on this math equation and it's just, we're not winning. You're not winning. But it's funny how we will do that to God sometimes. It's funny how we take what God has said to us, that we are loved, cared for. He will provide for you. 
He hears your prayers. And you go, I just, God, like that's, that's great and everything, but not, that doesn't apply to me. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not, I'm not a holy roller yet. I'm not perfect yet. God, it's hard for me to go to church. It's hard for me to pray. And so what we'll do is we get caught in this gridlock of telling God, Lord, I, I would much rather accept this idea that I'm not good enough. And God is saying, you are. Why would you fight me on this? What do you get out of being right about something you're wrong about? Because I think sometimes we do like anarchy. I remember being at Catholic school and gosh, every single one of my friends, we were all Catholic. But if you asked us all, if you lined us up and asked us the same questions, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about, we all had different answers. And I wonder if that would be the same thing in this room. Line us up, ask us the same questions. Why would we all have different answers? We're reading the same Bible. We're following the same savior. We are in relationship with the same father. Why would we all have different answers? Because I don't think we fully accept the freedom and the power that comes with that freedom. We are supposed to have a certain set of rules and have a certain set of laws that we follow. But if you look at the heart of it all, because I mean, you, you guys, for the most part, probably, you know, we're all in agreement of, of the 10 commandments, the famous 10, but then there's 613 and you're like, yikes, that is a lot. Barely got the first five of the 10 down. How am I supposed to do 613? Well, that it was intentionally difficult, proving that we would always need our savior, always. It was, a, it was a physical impossibility for us to keep all 613 of these. It's hard for us to do all 10. One of them's don't lie. And then your wife comes around the corner like, hey, how do I look in this? And you're like, beautiful. I know we have junior hires in here, but then, you know, as you got kids growing up, you got kids asking you questions, you know, about stuff that, you're not supposed to break their hearts over until they're older. And it's just like this thing that you're just, you know, how do you, how do you tell somebody? Keeping the truth, and you're beautiful all the time. Just stand. I, you're absolutely beautiful all the time. I, I, that was an analogy for you. I've never experienced it. So it's what I'm saying. <laughs> what I'm saying is that Sometimes it is difficult for us to keep these, but what is God's heart in saying this? If you look at the heart behind these 613 rules, these 613, Jesus sums it up and says this, love God, love people. That is the heart. What's the first one though? Love God. Love God. That's the heart of the 613. The whole reason, like I'll give you just cliff notes right now. The whole point that God wants me to drive home here this morning is you and I are supposed to love God. And not like, not like, like this idea of, you know, I found out that a certain celebrity has like stomach cancer and I'm like, oh no, I feel so bad for him. I really care. 
but I haven't done anything about it. Like I don't, I don't, I don't call him. Hey bud, just thinking about you. I'm not over at his house. I'm not saying that kind of love. I'm talking about the serving kind of love. Because when we are free, God says to serve me. We are free to serve him. Which brings me to my next point. uh, When we are free, we tend to serve what we care about. So here's the question. What do you care about? I was talking with the worship band backstage and I'm about to be judged by everybody here and that's fine, okay? But I was talking about those rabbit holes that you can go down when you're scrolling through TikTok. I have learned of so many useless things And you just scroll and you scroll and you just start learning about how everything is fake. And if you're not living off the grid, then you're not living right. And there's chemicals and everything. And this person's doing this and Britney Spears got slapped. And you start learning all these different things. You're just like, I don't need this information in my head. But the only reason why I scroll sometimes It's because when you have like a long day and you just want to unwind. Why, like if we've ever really looked at that before, some some of you might, might do something else to unwind. You might take something, drink something, go and do something to unwind. What is the reason for that? Why do we do this unwinding, this relaxation? Why is it, could it be because we are trying to serve ourselves. Because again, it's very interesting when, when, when like priority happens in your life, you know, like a split knee-jerk reaction of, of what it is that you're supposed to do. And the craziest, I'm sorry I'm bombarding you with stuff about my kids, but the craziest is when you are serving your kids. Now as a dad, my wife and I do the best that we can to serve our kids. And sometimes your pride has to go out the window. Sometimes you have to sacrifice being what you thought was cool and let it just go out the window. So if you've ever been to Disneyland or like Universal Studios or Six Flags or something, there is, there are these characters that walk around, okay? Now, one time when uh, we went to Disneyland, my daughter, very analytical, her mind is so much like mine. Um, So there's Elsa and Anna from a movie called Frozen. Now, if you watch this movie, um, it's it's computer animated, It's, it's CGI, it's not human beings. But then you go to Disneyland and it is human beings playing them. And we're like, Scarlett, look, Anna and Elsa. And she looked at him, she goes, no. (laughs) Very analytical. And we're like, no, 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 look at the dresses are the same. And she's like, that's not real. Like, okay, all right, next, you know. But then there's my son. And he is obsessed with Spider-Man. 
And so you guys have probably seen videos uh, like this. If you could put that first video up, you know, the, when the character's all walking around and, oh, look it, hey. And so that dad right there was doing a, an amazing job of being that dad, right? The boy, the boy is, is, is trying to get a photo um, uh, with the, 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 his son or whatever and like, you know, have this great magical moment. So my wife and I want that. And the things that you will do for your kids I'm going to show you that same video. I am in the yellow. And you will see me hover around this guy like a shark. If you could put that video up, please. I'm in the yellow. Eyeballing this fool. Trying to get in front of him so I could establish a point of contact. Okay? Can you put that image up? Look at me and my two kids. All we wanted was a photo, and you're just sitting there like a loser trying to be like, hey, Spider-Man, Spider-Man over here, Spider-Man. Hey, buddy, buddy, right over here. My wife at one point picked my son up and lifted his sweatshirt because he was wearing a Spider-Man shirt going, look, he's a Spider-Man fan. That fool walked right past us and we're never going back. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But the stuff that you do to serve your kids the things that you try and do to serve your kids, you know, your, your shame goes out the door. Um, if you try to serve your spouse, I mean, during COVID, you know, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an original person. I, I don't like to go with the flow and, and follow the trends. And, and so during COVID, we had the drive-through birthday parties and all those different things. Well, I wanted to do something different for my wife. And because, you know, we're social people, we have a lot of friends, but it was against the rules to look at any of them. And so what I decided to do is I decided... I'm going to do like, like a three-course meal, and, and we're going to have, have uh, uh, here we're going to eat cer- certain things with certain people, then here certain things with certain people, and then here certain things with certain people. And I'm sitting there like, dude, that was exhausting trying to put all that stuff together. I'm not really a planner like that. The very thought of putting things together like that fills me with anxiety, and I'll just go curl up and eat chocolate-covered almonds. And it's just this thing, but you do that for the ones that you love, You serve them. It's natural for us. You and I have been in those similar situations, whether it's, I mean, it's why every guy at Valentine's Day gets filled with anxiety because it's the 14th and you're like, dang it. I need to go out and buy something. You know, I need to do these things. It's because we love them and we want to serve them. Some of you dads, it's why you work as hard as you do. It's It's your act of love. It's, there's a reason why we do the things that we do. And God knows that. So the very fact that when he says, go and be free that you would serve. But then my question to you really comes down to if we know that Christ died for you and I, the church, why aren't you serving the church? Why don't we? we? We've got the relationships in our lives, but why don't we serve in our church? And I know what it is. The wall's up. We did the thing that my daughter does and we tell God that we're six, but really he's like, no, you're four. 
And we start telling God, no, 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 this is why, this is why, this is why I don't. I gotta, let me put up this thing and let me show you this presentation. Let me do all these things. But if Christ died so that we could do this, why wouldn't we help the people that go here and serve? I challenged you guys on Wednesday night because I don't know if you know, but our church, you guys, we're an active church. We have got so many opportunities for you to be involved. We have so many opportunities, not even that. Like that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that you would be a healthy believer. That's the most important thing. We have so many opportunities for you to be involved in, in being healthy, in, in praying, in our nights of worship, in our serving, in, in, in just so many opportunities. But God is stepping back and he goes, listen, true freedom, if you want your life to feel free, to be free, you're going to love me. And if you love me, your heart is going to go towards the thing that my heart goes towards and it's the church. It's the church. And no, I, I know some of you might, might have a, a wall up against the church because maybe you have been church hurt. Someone treated you unfairly. They said something to you or didn't say something to you. You're still here because God is good. But then my question to you is this. Why did you let that church hurt hurt you like that? Think about this though. Really think about this. I asked my wife if I could say this today. She said, okay. <laughs> Why do we let that hurt stay there? Well, because it was really, really mean. Sure. And you know what? The Bible actually talks about this. In Psalm chapter 55, in Psalm 55, starting in verse 12, David is writing and he says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide myself from him, but it is you, a man, my equal, my companion and my, my familiar friend. We who had sweet fellowship together, walked in the house of God in his throne, let death come deceitfully upon them. Yikes, that was a little mean there. Let them go down alive to shale, for evil is in their dwelling in their midst. David is writing and he's saying, it's you that hurt me. It's you. And we all can kind of relate like, yeah, how dare this person hurt me like that? How dare this person? And yeah, you can almost kind of justify a prayer that says, let death come deceitfully upon them. Doesn't make it right, because I'm not done yet reading this. David continues in, cha in uh, chapter 55, verse 16. He goes, but as for me, though I'm heated, though I'm hurt, though I'm mad, though I want death, I shall call upon God. And the Lord will save me. Evening and morning at noon, I will complain. Ooh. And he will hear my voice. 
He will redeem my soul in peace from the battle which is against me, for they are many who strive with me. Do you see what David did? He was hurt. And he said, despite this hurt, he goes to God in everything. We are to go to God. In freedom, we still report to God. Despite our pride, despite our lusts, despite who we are, despite our bloodline, despite, you know, oh, my, my father had this, so then I'm going to have this. It, it, it's ran in my blood. Despite all of that, God is saying, go to me. You want true freedom? Go to me. And over and over and over, all throughout scripture. Sandy, I'm, I'm going to drive you crazy back there, but if you could put up that Deuteronomy 29 verse 9. God tells us this in Deuteronomy. He says, so keep the words of this covenant to do them that you may prosper in all that you do. What would it look like for us to challenge ourselves in memorizing scripture? You think we'd be better people or worse? What would it look like? Like if we really went old school with this. Today, if it's your Sabbath day today, that this would be the, the, the pinnacle and all the rest of this day you would spend in prayer, you would spend with your family. If the weather allows it, you'd go to Riverwalk or Hart Park or wherever it is and just spend time outside eating some good food, whatever that is for you. And you just talk to your kids, talk to your spouse, talk to, your, to your, the person you're dating, talk to your family and just talk about God. Talk about this message. Talk about what, what you could change, what you could add, what you could remove. And let the entirety of this day be the Sabbath day that you would spend thinking about God, praying about the things. Like what if you brought your spouse in to the things that you were worried about? What if you brought your kids in to the things that you were worried about? Would we be better people, better followers of Jesus or worse? Imagine if we committed that like each family here said, you know what? I'm gonna serve one Sunday a month. One Sunday a month. Because if Christ died for you and I, I think we could give him a Sunday. Like I think, I think that we really could lean in and begin to say, God, I'm not perfect. Like I look around this room and I'm not gonna make any eye contact with anybody, but we got people in this room that are not only praying for this campus throughout the week, but they're cleaning this campus throughout the week at Northwest as well. I'm sure it's a Hatchapi as well. We have people who come down here at, at, at all of our campuses and stock the chairs that you're sitting in so that way you can have the information that you need. We have people that come, come here and not only like volunteering on the worship team, but volunteering as the prayer people. We have all these different people volunteering, serving the church, and they're not necessarily perfect people. They're not necessarily people who are like, you know, we ask them, what's Revelation 2, 9? Right now, you gotta tell me or you're kicked out. 
But at some point we thought that that was the standard. We know that Jesus said that the standard is love God and love people. There is power in freedom. I told, I told our Northwest campus last week, and this is the truth even here. We are you away from having to shut down a ministry here. If you don't show up, when you go to drop your kid off at the youth ministry or something, and we go, we are so sorry, we have no volunteers here today. Well, then what does that do to you who has like the little ones? Well, then you try to go to the cry room and you go in there and there's 50 other kids crying. It's one of those things you're like, I'm watching online, I'm driving home. What happens if you need prayer at the end of service and you walk up and it looks like this? Where are you getting prayer from? How are we going to do this? Ladies and gentlemen, this is not like a, like a, you know, we're trying to reach a quota. That's not it. What it is, is God said, your freedom, there's power in this freedom and it comes when you serve. It comes when you serve. Again, if you could put up Exodus chapter seven, verse 16, the Lord the God of the Hebrews sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. Ladies and gentlemen, please. There's, I think I can say it like this. The thing that you've been searching for can be found when you serve in the church. Now, I, I, again, I was talking to my wife about, you know, being online. It'd be really nice if I wasn't online because a lot less haters, I think. Because I'll probably get like something said about what I just said. Because yes, at the end of the day, it's Jesus Christ. You need Jesus Christ. At the end of the day, if you never did anything here for the church, it's Jesus Christ hands down. But until the day that God takes us home, what are we supposed to be doing? Serving God. Serving God. And I think sometimes when we don't know what to do, like what does serving God look like? Does that mean that every time I go to the grocery store, every time I go to the gas station, is it this? Is it that? Is it this thing? Is it that thing? I'm just trying to simplify right now and keep it real easy for us because if we're going to feel free, it's got to be simple. It's got to be whatever. And, and it's as simple as serve the very thing that Jesus died for. Serve the church. Serve the very thing that when he was on his way to the cross, Hebrews says, that he despised every ounce of shame and looked forward to you and I and said, you are worthy of me going to the cross. You, I want you in heaven. I need you in heaven. I'm madly in love with you. I will endure the cross for the joy set before him was you and I. If you are somebody who has been at this church for any length of time, in those seats that you're sitting in, there is a information card. Get it out, write it down, 
turn it in before you leave. If you are new here, don't do that. Don't do that. Spend some time here. Continue to come. Get to know us. Because I'm like, this might be your first time here, and you're like, who is this guy? This guy doesn't look anything like Pastor Ron. I was here for him. I just know that those that we love, we serve. And we don't do it willingly all the time. It's not the easiest thing to serve your spouse, especially when you've had a hard day, or it's not easy to serve your kids when they're know-it-alls. But we still endure. And in the same way, God has given us this, COVID again, that was a scary time where we didn't get to have this. But we endured and we're here now. So with all that being said, I'd like to pray. If you would, if you would bow your heads and we'll just pray this. Father God, you are worthy, Lord. Still, that analogy of my son, God, is just incredible how you would pursue us. And Father, I pray for all of those under the sound of my voice that are in need of of you and of going deeper and seeing you. Give them the boldness to get involved. Give them wisdom on, on how to serve their family, on how to serve their spouse, how to serve at their place of employment. Father, if there's anybody here today that has not made the decision to follow you, and they need to, I pray that you would give them the strength to come up and get prayer from these people up here. Give them strength, give them boldness. And God, as we go throughout our week this week and, and we do our best to serve the people around us and as we try to know you and serve you and love you and grow in that, God, can I ask that you would speak to us and encourage us. Show us if we're doing it right. Guide us if we're doing it wrong. But Lord, I pray for every single one of us, let us go deeper. Let us know our God more. Let us desire it. Give us a hunger and thirst for your word. I pray for fathers of homes to, to lead their families into having a real Sabbath day with their family, to put aside the chores. I pray for the mothers to have creative ideas on, on what to do, to pray for, for the family and for their kids. Bless and anoint us, God. Show us, show us where we're going. Show us how to do it. Give us favor. Bind up the enemy in Jesus' name from 
distracting us, critiquing us, and that having any effect on us. It's you that we serve, God. Not our emotions, not our anxiety. It's you. Thank you, God, for loving us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Have a great rest of your Sunday, guys. Love you. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org. Here is our King, here is our love.